Thomas Green from Ethical Marketing Service. On the call today, we have Brendan from Master Talk. How are you doing, Brendan? Very good, Thomas. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Thank you. Would you like to tell people about yourself and what you do? Yeah, of course. So as you alluded to, my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk, which is a YouTube channel I started to help the world mess with the art of communication, public speaking. How I got started was when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing rugby or cricket or footy, well, I wasn't really into that kind of stuff. So what I did is I applied that same competitive spirit, but applied it to presentations. So for three years, I presented hundreds of times and coached dozens of people in that program. And then when I started working in the corporate world myself, I just had this crazy idea of how to make a difference in the world. And that's when the idea for Master Talk came to be when I realized a lot of the communication information is really bad online. So I started making videos in my basement. One thing led to another, and the rest was history. Well, I took a look at the channel, and I think it's great. So well done for uh, all the content that you put out there. Thank you. Can you tell us um, why communication is important in business? Because that's my, um, my audience would be business owners. Yeah, of course. And, and coming from a guy who's in business school, I completely get it. Communication is so important for business owners because it allows us to scale our ideas. So what's great about public speaking is if you have the courage to speak in front of a 200-person audience, it's much easier for you to find customers versus one-on-one -on -one interactions. But the importance of communication is you're going to need to be good at both of those types of interactions. Whether you're speaking at groups to figure out out of everyone who wants to join what you're trying to do, and also in those one-on-one -on -one conversations to build a rapport with the people who buy from you and who could potentially refer you to new leads. So how's the how's it all going with the um, you know your coaching business and the YouTube channel? Yeah, it's been going great. You know, I never really had any intention of making a business when I first started, and I was just making videos. But then over time, I was able to develop a, a robust coaching practice where I train a lot of executives on how to move up faster into the C-suite and share their ideas with the world. Good. Um, other than your YouTube channel, uh, if someone wants to learn how to be a better communicator, how might they go about doing that? Yeah, for sure. So so I, I got an, two recommendations that you could follow. One is Toastmasters. I'm a huge fan of the Toastmasters organization. It's not very expensive. It's like 80 bucks a year. You join a community around you of great people who help you and encourage you to speak better. And I would say book would be Thirst by Scott Harrison. I think Scott's really smart in the way that he thinks about messaging and branding. And he's built his entire nonprofit on public speaking engagements. So I think his story is a great case study, especially for people in the for-profit world, because learning from somebody who has less resources than you do can be, can be used as a leverage for how you do business and how you think about things. It's interesting. Um, and how long did it take for you to become a great communicator? And uh, did you do it the ways that you're recommending? You could say that it took a long, lot longer than uh, I wanted it to because I didn't really have a coach. I didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up as a kid. So I was mostly self-taught. You know, It took, probably took me a good three, four years before I, go, I got really good at communication and and speaking ideas in front of stages. But the hope is that with the YouTube channel, it takes a lot less time for people. 
Well, I saw um, a couple of your YouTube videos um, on the differences between introverts and extroverts on the topic of communication, of course. Um, would you mind going into that a little bit? Because, um, yeah, I am a self-professed introvert. So um, from a selfish perspective, I like this question. Yeah, of course. So so the big difference between extroverts and introverts is, is not really in terms of their personality, but rather the energy that they show up with. So let's say an extrovert, the way that they manifest is, is just different energetically. So they, they might talk a bit more, they might engage a bit more, they might go to more public events, versus an introvert is still same energy, just manifested in a different way. They'll spend more time at home. They'll read a, book, a bit more books, etc. But what we need to understand from a communication perspective, Thomas, is that both of these sides, since we're, we all lie on the spectrum at the end of the day, we can learn from each other. So let's say you take an introvert. A lot of people think that introverts are bad speakers. Not true. They have a lot of key advantages that extroverts can learn from. This is a couple I can talk about right now. Listening. Right? Introverts are much better at listening, hence why extroverts like me make great guests because we're always talking all the time. <laughs> so it's much easier for someone like you to tailor your presentation to what your audience needs. Number two is the idea, the pause, the silence, the power of the pause. So when you're pausing in a presentation, it's a lot easier for an introvert to grasp that when you pause to emphasize key messages in your pitch. Because you spend an average of more time in silence. So when you're learning how to pause effectively, it's easier for you to grasp. It's Brendan, I already know that. Whereas an extrovert, it's very difficult. It took me a long time to master pauses. Because when we pause, like me, I, got, I get very worried. I was like, why is there a space in the conversation? I need to fill it. So it's challenging. Then the third thing is that introverts are a lot less polarizing as speakers. I mean, since you're a marketing podcast, this would be a great example. Let's say you compare Gary Vaynerchuk with Seth Godin. So Gary's the type of guy that you either really like or you really don't. Right? So I'm a huge Gary V fan, but then you have other types of people who really don't like him. Right? You're, on one, you're never in the middle with this guy. But nobody says bad things about Seth Godin, though. Nobody goes to a presentation and goes, you know the Seth Godin guy? I really don't like him. It just it just doesn't happen. They're both marketing experts, for those who don't know who are listening. But that's that's really the point I'm driving is if you're an introverted speaker, you're a lot less polarizing, which means you'll attract a lot more people towards your message. So so the the message to this entire spiel is that the key is not just to figure out which one of the two you are, but your willingness to learn from the other. So if you're the extrovert, like me, are you trying to learn how to pause more effectively, how to lessen more effectively, and how to be a bit less polarizing? And if you're an introvert, are you trying to take more risk? Are you trying to practice your vocal projections and your facial expressions? Great answer. Um, and what would you say are some common barriers to good communication? Oh, a bunch. But, but I would say the big one that stands out to me is most people don't, in the, in the context of presentations, they just don't do the same thing over and over again. You know, when we think about presentations and we think about public speaking, the issue, especially in the corporate world, and I always tell my executives this, is you cannot master public speaking in the boardroom. And the reason you can't is because of the way that the learning environment is structured. 
you have a deadline to meet, you have to get all your content ready, it's stressful, you're talking to a bunch of senior vice presidents, you don't really want to get better, you just want to, you just want to survive, right? And if you're trying to survive that meeting instead of trying to thrive in it, it's, it's, it's much harder for you to master public speaking. That's why my recommendation is learn outside of the boardroom. Whether it's their Toastmasters club, whether it's with your friends, whether it's with a coach, work together with a group of people, with a community of people, and just have fun with it. You know, present a topic you're passionate about, you care about, whether it's health and as an, it can be nothing to do with business, and then bring those skills back into the business world. Just a slight follow up from that, because I'm Please. interested in um, the topic of resolving conflict. Um, have you used sort of your communication skills on on revolving around that topic of resolving conflict? Absolutely. You know the way I think about it, Thomas, is that communication is a multiplier effect. As you get better in one vertical of communication, it makes you better at all of them. So what does this mean? It means that as you become a better presenter, you become a better podcaster. As you become a better co podcaster, you become a better conversationalist, et cetera, et cetera. And it starts to ramp up very quickly, which is a great thing about communication. And conflict resolution is definitely a part of that. Chris Voss has a great book uh, on this, Don't Split the Difference. But I think the general idea of negotiation is simple, mirroring and vocal tone variation. So essentially what you do is you mirror the emotion of the other person that you're speaking to. And this podcast is a good example of this. Sometimes when I'm on a podcast, the, the, the host is very, very loud and extroverted. So I have to force, uh, not necessarily force myself, but project that same emotion to, to give that person the impression that I understand them. But the opposite is also true. I also reduce my vocal tones whenever I'm talking to someone on the other side of the spectrum. It really depends. That's one side. The other side is seeing where the other person is at energetically and mirroring that energy. So that's what I would say in negotiations. If you just do th those two things, I think you'll be ahead of most people. Okay. Um, and the first part of your answer sort of reminded me of um, the compound effect. Have you read that at all? No, but that makes sense to me. In yeah, a so sense, I would look at investment. Please, go ahead. Uh, I was just, um, you know, small... Small changes, small positive changes have a uh, compounding effect over time. That's what it made me think of. Ah, uh, yeah, love it. Um, and have you seen any examples where there's a link between effective communication and confidence? Because when I watch your videos, you strike me as a very confident person. And um, I thought that there may be some sort of link between those two. Absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, Thomas, I found that confidence stems from two key areas. The first key area is preparation that we all know. If you practice more, if you know your subject more, you're going to be more confident. right? So that's what happened with me. I'd, I'd presented so many times that it was, it, I just became more confident over time. But the other side of the equation that we don't talk about enough, and no, it's not power posing, no, it's not drinking a glass of water or breathing, it's having a belief system. What do you actually believe in? Most people, when they present something, they don't stand for anything. And I know this is a bit cheesy, but that's what leads to that confidence. I mean, I started Master Talk when I was 22. And I started coaching C-suites when I was 23. How does that make any sense? Where, does, where did that confidence come from? How could I deliver the result? Why do people trust me? It doesn't make sense. But that's the point I want to drive, is it's that belief system in creating free resources for people who couldn't afford me. 
that drove me to figure out how to be confident. So it wasn't I got in front of an executive, I knew exactly what I was doing. No, 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 I was, I was scared to death the first time I was coaching these types of people. But what allowed me to jump through that hoop was by saying, wait a second, I need this person's financial resources if I want to create videos for high schoolers, for university students, for people who don't, who haven't made it yet, who don't have a great job, who can't afford these types of services. And it's that, it's that belief system that allowed me to be confident. So that's what I encourage everyone to do, which is answering the following question. How would the world be different if you were an exceptional communicator? And what are some good answers that you've heard to that question? That's a good follow-up. Uh, it really depends on the person, I would say, Thomas. Some people are you know, a lot more aspirational, let's say like me, where you know, they want to start a podcast like you. They want to have a YouTube channel. They want to share a message with 10,000 people. But the most common answers I get is arguments with their wife, their significant other, their kids, their friends and family. If, 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 you could, if they could communicate more clearly, they would just have a lot less trouble in life. And, and I think that what this question and this goal is, in my opinion, is not really to put yourself on a stage in front of 10,000 people, but rather say, how is communication going to improve my life? For a lot of people, it's the conversations that they have with other folks. It's, it's the way that they interact with other people. Because at the end of the day, communication is everything that you do. It's not just the presentation. It's the way that you talk to the delivery guy. It's the park that you go to with your kids. It's, it's the way that you interact with those kids. Once we understand that, we can use communication as a vehicle to not just make our presentations, our corporate life better, but also our lives. Good. And um, what are some examples of poor communication skills? If you would frame it that way. Yeah, I, I think for me, poor communication skills, and it's not like stuttering or saying the wrong thing. I don't mind that kind of stuff. I, I still think someone can be a great communicator, even with all those issues. I think the one thing that poor communicators all have in common, though, is lack of audience. Lack of audience engagement. So what that means is not engaging them during the presentation, but they don't have enough conversations with them during, before, and after their pitch. They don't actually care about the audience. They're not tailoring their message to them. And we see this all the time, you know, in conversation where people are just blabbing, 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 but not really saying, hey, are you actually, do you actually understand what's happening, like, what I'm saying? Or, you know, they give a presentation without talking to a single person in their audience to see if they even want their topic. That's the most common issue is that most people aren't putting enough effort to understand who they're speaking to. And that's true with any relationship. I think it was um, Earl Nightingale who said that um, a good conversation is like a tennis match where you're hitting it back and forth, hitting the ball back and forth. And a bad conversation is like the guy who's a golfer who just continually hits his own ball. I kind of like that analogy. I love that too. That's great. <laughs> and... Um, on the topic of audiences and where you might find them, uh, how might someone be an effective communicator using tools like social media? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest way that we can use social media as a tool is to connect with the people that we're most interested to talk to. You know, what's fascinating about social is it's a lot easier to, for us to find our tribes in a way that was much harder before and keep those contacts. So a good example I can use is I go to a lot of personal development conferences to meet a lot of great people, 
to be people who are like-minded, purpose-driven. And what social media allows me to do is it allows me to keep in touch with all of those individuals that I meet. So that way I, I have a robust network. And it's a lot more fun trying to communicate and practice my conversation skills with people I actually like talking to versus the people I don't. So, so that's the way I see it as a tool. And of course, there's other ways like presenting on camera, but that's the big one. Well, it gets a lot of, um, a lot of flack um, for people not properly communicating with each other. Um, so, you know, what do you think about that topic? Like having trouble communicating with each other. I think for me, the, the bigger issue that most people don't talk about, Thomas, is are you even talking to someone you want to talk to? So I get it, right? In the corporate world, you have to have conversations with people that you might not necessarily like because you have to move a goal forward and that's just how being a job works. But my philosophy has always been if you have social anxiety, the worst the worst way to practice it, to get rid of it, is to talk to somebody that you don't even like to talk to. That's why my recommendation is saying, look into your interests, look into your passions outside of work, and find meetups, events, social gatherings of people that you personally find interesting, because those people are likely to find you interesting as well. And if you do that, they'll be much easier for you to practice your social skills have a lot less social anxiety, and then bring those skills back into the boardroom. Okay. Um, it sort of reminds me of um, you know, taking, taking an issue that you sort of disagree with and say taking the other side of an argument and um, in sort of like a debate class environment and you know, talking to someone as though you believe that thing to expose yourself to other people. Was that somewhere related to what you were saying? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think there's a part of this idea of filtration where you talk to a lot of people, you figure out who you like the most, and you have deep, meaningful conversations with those people, which allows you to practice a lot more. And then as you get better, you start to enjoy these conversations and see the direct benefits to your life. Then you can start having conversations with people you, you wouldn't necessarily talk to. That, mm. That's kind of a smooth transition I would think of. You touched on it um, a little bit, but um, what would you say is the importance of nonverbal communication? Yeah, I think my perspective on this one, Thomas, is definitely there's a lot of things that we can do from a nonverbal perspective, but most people already do those things pretty well. You know, whether it's looking people in the eyes, uh, you know, keeping our attention on the other person, that's fine. I, I think for me, the, the real focus that me, most people need to get better at. It's definitely the foundational skills, the filler words, the posture, the eye contact sometimes when they speak to larger groups. And then once they fix those foundational skills, then they can think about body language. But, but I, I, I'm, I'm very different than most people in my industry. I don't think body language should be the primary focus of how you think about communication. Mm. And um, if you were speaking to someone who, let's say, had a talent, for lack of a better term, um, what would you say are good businesses for people who have that talent in communication? Oh, I've never been asked that before. I, I think what's fascinating about communication, Thomas, is it will increase any type of business. So if you have a service business, it's much easier for you to communicate and sell your service. If you have a product business, it allows you to do that too. You know, Elon Musk has done that with, with his companies. So I think my recommendation is think of communication as an amplifier to the ideas that are unique to you. 
So me, it means a bit meta where I'm a public, uh, my business is public speaking. So it allows me to amplify that. So it's, it's, it's a bit weird. But in the case of marketing, let's say when you have an, an ad agency, and Gary has done that very well. VaynerMedia is the fastest growing ad agency in the world. Communication through social media and through other tools allows them to build a personal brand and lock in contracts with a lot of the big names in the world. So, so I think the key that I want to emphasize is think of communication like an amplifier based on the ideas that you're most excited about. Okay. And um, are you aware of any tools or sites that can help on the topic of communication? Yeah, uh, definitely. I would say the book, you know, Scott Harrison's Thirst, I think is a great read, a great case study on how to think about communication. And I would encourage people to check out Toastmasters as well. I think it's a great website for people to to learn and, and join a club near your area. It's not very expensive and you can meet a lot of great people who want to work on their communication skills too. Okay. And um, if you had to pick the three most important principles in communication, what would they be? I would say one is the puzzle method. Public speaking is like a jigsaw puzzle. You want to start with the edges first. So that means when the next time you do a presentation, don't just shove a bunch of content like most people do. Practice your introduction 50 times. Get it perfect. Do the same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? terrible movie last time I checked so same thing do it 50 times then die for the middle with the confidence that you have so principle number one is apply puzzle principle number two is apply puzzle to a single presentation if you want to be a master communicator you need to keep presenting the same thing over and over again so even if your presentations change at work all the time which is fine my recommendation is take a snippet of work or something you like and find a repeatable version of that presentation. So in your case, Thomas, it's very easy. You make a presentation on your own podcast, and you can use that as promotional material at different local communities or universities or corporate events to talk about what you're trying to do with this show. But what's great about that type of presentation is that it's repeatable. Think about people like Tony Robbins or Gary Vee or Mel Robbins. They've been doing the same damn workshops, the same keynotes for decades. In Tony's case, he's been doing the same thing for 40 years. That's the point I want to drive. So if you're someone who's a marketing professional right now, but you like coaching kids outside of work, make a little presentation for kids on marketing and present that to your kids' leadership group. Because what's great about that is that even if the the presentation – sorry, even if the kids will change, the presentation never will. So you can always keep refining it. And then principle number three, I guess, is uh, I would say have fun with it, honestly. I, I think a lot of people, especially in the corp in the corp side of things, you know, they, they, they see communication as a means to an end. It's like, oh, I need to present. And we got to remove that type of – we need to dissociate the boredom that we think of communication for what it actually could be, which is an amplifier of ideas. Communication allows you to solidify your personal brand within a company. So I would leverage it however possible. Okay. Yeah, the the second part um, made me think of Jim Rohn, which is um, it's easier to find a new audience than it is to get a better speech or find a new speech, something like that. Have you heard? That? I love that. I love. That. I never. Heard, I know Jim's work, but I've I never heard that quote. It's a good one. So the next one is a bonus question, and it's more because I'm interested in what you'll say than anything else. So um, the question is, do you like yourself? Didn't expect that one. Absolutely. 
You know, and then to expand on that, I, I think for me that that's important to emphasize is I'm a crazy hard worker, right? I just love getting on interviews. I do a lot of crazy things, but I do it because that brings me joy. Like I just love talking to people. I get to travel the world in my basement. It's it's kind of funny when you think about it. So so I'd encourage people out there. I, I think one thing I could give in terms of life advice is that nobody does is make a list of what actually makes you happy. You know, the things that make me happy are probably not something I should be mentioning on a podcast, but I'm happy to mention a couple of PG stuff. Like, you know, having dinner with my family, dancing in my basement, right? All these things are bizarre behaviors. And it's not something most people would like, but that's the point I'm driving. All of our lists are unique. So start creating yours this holiday season instead of creating a list of gifts you want. Give give a couple of gifts to yourself. Good answer. Uh, Well, I just wanted to say... Thank you very much for your contribution on social media. Like I said, it's it's uh, valuable for, I would say, many people, especially my audience. And you helped me with one video, or at least you made me think much more specifically about one particular topic as I'm a serial um because you did a video on ums, ahs, and ers. And so I'm going to make a particular effort in future content with that. So I appreciate that. Of course. And lastly, where can people learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Easiest way to get in touch, Thomas, is definitely the YouTube channel. So all you have to do is go on YouTube and type Master Talk in one word, and you'll find me right there. That's great. Um, You've done – I just did it. You've provided great answers, and I really appreciate your time. And I'll speak to you soon. Likewise, thanks so much.